0: Locale. Local. Shock. Cambiamento.
1: Sakula idea. Food food.
0: Change. We, we,
1: we, we we are. Are.
0: Welcome to the Slow Food Youth Network Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the second series of the SFIN podcast. My name is Valentina Gritti and I work as Global Coordinator at the Slow Food Youth Network. I hope you enjoyed the first series of our podcast about food sovereignty in Mexico. And if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you make some time to listen to what Alma Rosa, Santiago, Laritza, Vinic, Claudia, Armando and Isaac have to say regarding this important topic. During the Terra Madre edition of 2018, among the different events that's organized, we arranged for the first time a storytelling night. The idea came from Chiara Bassignana, a young Italian activist who made us notice that the big event of Slow Food is sometimes too chaotic to manage to understand who the people in our network are. There is no time to stop and talk to each other and to have us sharing our amazing stories. So, on Friday night, we gathered a group of youth from different countries and with various backgrounds, and we asked them to share their stories, accompanied by gentle guitar chords. Where SFIN could be a synonym of joy and energy, on this occasion the whole crowd was slightly intrigued by the stories of their new friends. The concept was a success, and from that moment we decided to adapt this as one of the recurrent activities of SFIN, which hosted for example in Kenya and in Peru since that moment. At the time, we were amazed at how many skilled storytellers we have in our network, and with such unique stories to tell. For this reason, we decided to continue our journey of sharing stories and experiences with the whole network by the means of the SPIN podcast. The world is affected by global issues, such as GMOs, scarcity of resources, land grabbing, loss of biodiversity, monocultures, climate change, food waste and malnutrition. These issues are closely linked to social challenges, such as segregation and communication obstacles between cultures, loss of traditional ancestral knowledge and practices, lack of economic opportunities and detachment from Mother Nature. To tackle these common problems, we, the youth of slow food, indigenous and non-indigenous, black and white, young men and women, must start acting together, starting off by sharing traditional knowledge and innovative ideas. Indigenous peoples' voices go often unnoticed, or they're not taken into consideration strongly enough. But we do believe their knowledge is essential to be preserved and shared, as well as their good practices, traditional foods and ways of living, and their personal stories as well. Only if we act all together, we will be able to find key solutions to our current challenges. In this podcast series, the storytellers will take you to Kenya, to Zambia, Colombia, Ecuador, Mexico, Kyrgyzstan, Uganda and many other countries to meet their communities, to visit their houses, to listen to their dreams and personal achievements. Are you ready to start the journey? Today we will listen to the story of Njawa Teresa Buaglia, an indigenous Zambian girl from the Bemba tribe from the northern part of Zambia. Her strength, determination and faith led her to escape from a critical family situation in extreme poverty, and also to being the first graduated woman in her community. Theresa, is a food scientist, a Sfin activist and a program officer at the Zambia Alliance of Women. Theresa's story is particularly inspiring and listening to it will make you reflect on your current situation and on the infinite possibilities you have in front of you.
1: My name is uh, Teresa Walia from Zambia. Okay, so someone once told me that the best way to tell a story is to start from the beginning because if the end is read or listened to, no one pays attention to the beginning. So I'll start from the very start. I was born in 1995 on 20th February and my dad named me after his mother and his sister, So other people called me Teresa, which was his mother's name. And others called me Ngumbula. And that's the name my father loved calling me. Um, That was his sister's name. I don't know how uh, the belief system is for places out there. But here in Zambia, there is a belief uh, that if you name a child after a person, the child will automatically pick up the characteristics of the person it's been named after so the funny part for me who was named after two different people uh, my grandmother mrs teresa was very calm like really calm and on the other side my aunt was very loud so talkative and um there were just all these other differences for free for for instance my grandmother had short hair my aunt had long hair um my aunt was very big in terms of body size and my grandmother quite small so these differences brought about a conflict in me like what am I going to pick as a child not really that I consciously decide on that but because it's a belief so people expect uh, either of the characteristics to show up in me uh, okay so on some days I was really calm like very calm But on other days, I was very talkative, (laughs) like super loud, such that the calm side of me would be like, is this really us, you know? But, yeah, so two people I'm being named after and I'm supposed to carry after, so different. so, as a child, very confused being. Apart from me, my parents had other two kids, uh, children, My older brother and my young sister, I was uh, one year, six months uh, younger than my brother. From the age difference, you can really tell that I wasn't a planned child. (laughs) I wasn't really planned for, I'm sure it just sort of happened. But my father been excited and naming me after two people, he really loved, showed that I was unaccepted mistake <laughs> uh, my parents could not keep us home the two of us me and my brother you know keeping kids of almost the same age should be really tough so they put my my elder brother in school and they kept me home for two more years before they could uh, take me to school okay so uh where i grew up from i wouldn't say we were very poor but we were Comfortable enough to survive each day that came by. So, um, back then, uh, the government schools or public schools, like they're called in other places, and never had um, early childhood uh, schools. So, uh, only parents that could afford uh, private schools would take their kids uh, to these schools. So, me and my brother were, were put in a private school. But due to some financial problems, my parents decided that one of us had to be in a government school because we are now of age where we could get into the government schools. So um, back in the days, uh, for a child to be admitted in a government institution or a government school, the child needed to be seven years or older, but I was six years old um, at that time, twenty zero one. So my parents had to buy a school place um, for me into the government uh, school. So what used to happen is that parents would um, would apply for their children in different government schools. So at wherever they'll be admitted, that w- that's where they would be taken. So I never got lucky. But um, as, um, mom's friend's child had three admissions, uh, three acceptance letters from different um, government schools. So they decided they would sell one place, which was at Kamlanga Basic School to me. So, boom, I had a third name. So, <laughs> the, the school place for this person was Grace Mwinga. The Mwinga people, the Mwingas or the Mwinga surname comes from the southern part of Zambia, which is very far from my place. Okay, so I'm now a Mwinga from the southern part of Zambia. So there are characteristics that come with Bintonga. And initially I'm Bemba, but from uh, being named after two different people. So now I have, I'm even a more confused child. Yeah, but then... um, I managed to be top seven of the class. That year, I remember in a private school, and my parents were very happy because um, in a government school, you don't really get attention from the teacher. For, for example, in my class, we were 72 children, and my teacher had similar classes, uh, two more similar classes to my class. My class used to start at seven a.m. to 10 a.m. and she had another class coming in at 10.30 a.m. and another class coming in at 12 uh, p.m. so she had three classes with at least 70 children so she never had the time to really supervise us on an individual level so only a few children did well and me being one of those children I'm sure it made my parents super proud uh, Okay. So um, in this uh, class, my teacher was Mrs. Mwenga. I think I forgot to mention. My teacher's name was Mrs. Mwenga. But she left us, you know, without saying goodbye. She, She just didn't come back the next Monday like she did every other Monday. I remember the week earlier, she had a talk with us. That was so not common. And she was telling us to say, you know, in as much as I would want each child from this class to do good, uh, complete um, their A-levels and go to college, get into university, that's not true for everyone. Some of you become robbers. Okay, you should have seen our faces in that class. I'm sure everyone was just like, God forbid, that won't be me. Yeah, she said others will, will venture into very bad devices, but I know a few of you will do great. And she she looked at me and said, I would be a pastor. Still waiting on that prophecy to come to pass, of course. But she looked at me and said, I would be a bosa. In, in Nyanja, Zambia's local language, we call pastors or bishops as a bosa. And one of the boys was like, am I bosa? Meaning a wife to the pastor. But she said, no, no. Uh, Grace would be Abusa. So um, a week later, our head teacher just showed up with a serious face woman and she just introduced her to us saying, uh, this is your new teacher. And there was no word about where Mrs. Wenger had gone. I think 20s retro was a very tough year for me, like really tough because one, I lost my teacher who I was close to. And in that very year, my parents divorced Um, you know when someone is introducing themselves for a first time to someone they always uh, bring out the best picture and I think in this story that's what I tried to do I talked about the best moments but I think I left out um, one dark side of my family my family wasn't perfect. No family is, but I think mine was uh, really a sad family. My father had a drinking problem. He would really get drunk even for a month, like he would drink for an entire month. My mother never knew that side of my dad. He was um, a soda drinker yeah. when they met and they were still cotton. And the drunk in him only surfaced when he graduated from being her boyfriend to being her husband. So in the seven years of my life, which I spent with my dad, um, my father was an abusive man. He wasn't a bad person. I, I always tell people this. My father wasn't a bad person. He just had an addiction that he he couldn't control really so that brought so much hell not just on my mom but on us as as a children so the times that he would come home very drunk and he would abuse my mom verbally and uh, physically so i think for my mom she looked at it and said if she stayed in that marriage My brother was going to grow up knowing it was right to hit a woman or to abuse a woman verbally. And me and my young sister, of course, would have grown up uh, knowing it was okay being hit. So in 2002, the year that, you know, every year has 12 months. But for me, when I look back, I think 2002 was, (laughs) it was uh, maybe multiplied by two or three. It was more like 24 months in one year. It was the longest year. So in, in that very twenty-year uh, ritual, when my teacher left, my mother decided she, she had enough. So she summoned my father for a divorce, and the marriage was done. And we had to move in with my grandparents. You know, life was tough staying with my parents, but we were only three kids. Moving in with grandma, it was <sighs> even tougher because we were so many i had my cousins there my mom's siblings were there and you know me and my brothers it was just a tough moment we had to <laughs> to start picking up staying in a home where there were a lot of people like a lot of people and just act to be uh normal but it was really hard so when was we staying with my grandmother i discovered that some of my cousins or some of my aunties and uncles from my grandmother's side had uh, native names in namwanga namwanga is a tribe here in zambia on the northern part of zambia of course um, so it's like everyone else had a namanga name and I didn't. So I questioned my grandmother saying, how is it that I don't have a namanga name? I don't know. I was just young. I don't know uh, my reasoning or where that came from. But I was, uh, I questioned her and said, how is it that you didn't name me uh, a namanga name? You know, my father named me two names. One was more like an English name, but one came from his side of the tribe. But how is it that I didn't have a name from my mother's tribe? So my grandmother told me to say, pick a name and we will qualify it for you. So I think it took um, about two or three days. And then I just came back to her and I told her, grandma, I want to be called Njava. At that time, I didn't know what the Njava name meant. Yeah. But I just came to her and said, Njava sounds good. I really I would really love to be called Njava. And she said, Okay, then you've been Java. There there you have it, you are Njava. So um I was ten years old when I named myself Java, and because some people were calling me Teresa, others Nkumbula. Others from school were calling me Grace, and now I had a fourth name, Njava. It sounded very nice. I'm sure even you are like, what is (laughs) Njava? But yeah, the year that followed, that was 2006, uh, I I would say a year after being called Njava my grandma unfortunately passed, and I was really hurt. But I was glad I had a Namwanga name, and everything seemed to be getting back to normal. I would say, but my performance in school was really affected by the divorce. For the first time, I was I, I was uh, the, I had Fs on my on my uh, test results at school. It was kind kind of tough. Uh, You know, many people grow up uh, looking up to some people. They want to be when they're older. But that wasn't the case for me. For me, I was surrounded by a lot of people I didn't want to be. Okay, so other people growing up, they knew who Oprah, for example, is um, uh, who... Obama is uh, and uh, like I want to be like that woman I want to be like that man but that wasn't the case for me I was uh, surrounded by drunks um, by people that never went to school and all the time I would have to remind myself and say when I'm older I don't want to be like them but I didn't really know what I wanted to be like because I was already picking characteristics from the names and um, I still didn't want to be like my aunt I didn't want to be like my grandmother no I I just didn't know what exactly I wanted to be but I was sure of what I didn't want to be so I worked hard (laughs) I know that sounds a little bit crazy but I worked hard so that I couldn't be anything like what I'd seen growing up. So um, in grade seven, seventh grade, that was a year after my grandma passed, I said this was going to be a gift to my grandmother, so I was going to work hard and make sure I go to my 8th grade. And I did. Boom, I was in grade 8. And I worked hard, Ninth grade, and I was in my 10th grade. And when grade 12 arrived i was super ready for it and i did great and i made it to university (laughs) yeah i made it to university in a science class (laughs) i think um, uh, everyone every every female is scared of sciences but i wasn't i walked right into the science class And my first year was so tough. It left me on the ground, (laughs) asking myself, like, did I pick the right career? Because I enrolled in uh, wood science and technology. So there was so much mathematics involved and there was so much science involved. And it hit me so hard. And I was just questioning myself, am I really supposed to be here? But when I i i looked back where i was coming from i said i didn't work so hard to get here just so that i could give up you know so i i i encouraged myself and said you could do this really you could do this and um i pushed through to second year and in second year that's when i started looking back on the names that i've had and I tried to analyze and see the importance of names, so Teresa was just a mere name back then, but when I looked back, I discovered there was a mother Teresa, a well-known woman, a woman who was known for her kindness, so I said, oh wow. I was named after such a great woman you know my father just thought he was naming me after his mother of course but there was a Teresa out there who did great stuff you know she was a great woman and I was like wow so I was named after such greatness I must be great you know (laughs) I was uh, 19 years old when these thoughts um, popped up and they said I have to be like her And just from there, the desire to have an orphanage just became so real to me. And then I looked at Nkumbula. I was like, you know, this was my auntie's name. But when you look at the freedom fighters of Zambia, one great man was Nkumbula. I know. I was really amazed, like, okay, so apart from being kind, I'm supposed to fight for freedom. Wow, this is nice. And then I looked at the name grace, you know, I'm Christian, I'm a Christian, by the way. So when you look at grace, grace is um, an deserving thing, you know, where God gives you something even if you don't deserve it. But because of grace, he gives you. Actually, as Christians, we believe we are saved by grace. So I look at grace and I'm like, wow. So even what I don't deserve, I'll still receive because I am Grace. And then now we go back to the Njava name. Njawa means help. So if someone says Njawa, it's like they're telling me, help me. So I said, these names have to work. Okay. So I I said these names have to work. I have to be kind. I have to fight for freedom. Fight for what is right. Of course, when you look at um, slow food. There are a lot of things that have been brought in the food system that are not right. So when I look at the uh, Ngumbola character in me, I have to fight for what is right. Fight against all these chemicals that are destroying our land, destroying the food's uh, quality, destroying the nutrients. Like I just have to fight. And when you look at help, I need to help other people understand the effects of uh, the, the bad vices that are going on in this world. So when I got to second year, I decided I was going to do so great in that class. I didn't care how many men were there. I said I was going to fight. I was going to understand. I was going to just be great. In that very year, that very year, I was given an award as a best student. In a class where men are supposed to be dominant, I I went against the odds and I stood out and I did so great you know and the rest of my two years uh, my third year um, my fourth year I did so great and I walked out of that university with my degree I had a merit I was celebrated and I still celebrate myself today right now I am not where I've hoped to be, you know, build an orphanage and bring in kids, you know, fight for a good food system, uh, fight for freedom, fight for the women's rights against abuse because I know how bad it is and how it can affect not only the woman being abused, but even her children. I'm not yet there, but I'm not where I was, you know, I don't have the ghetto in me yes we always say the streets raised me but then I am a different person always I when I look at myself in the mirror do you know what I say I say I turned out all right like when situations or circumstances were not in my favor I still turned out okay I made it here and I'm always excited about the future because I know that if I believed in 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 what I carried back then and I still have it in me right now and I, I still believe I can bring so much change, then I will, I will. Okay, Zambia will be a better place because they have me. Africa is in good hands because they have me an entire world. Is in self-hands because they have me. In me, they have a mother, Teresa. In me, they have uh, Nkumbula, the freedom fighter. In me, they have Grace, a a, a woman that will give people, not because they deserve it, but because she feels they need this, you know. In me, they have a helper, Njawa. So um, my story today is about my life and how important the names we give to the children are and we need to understand that whatever has been given to us, we need to give it back to the world. Uh, there is a famous quote that uh, come to love which says, What is the essence of being alive if you can't do something remarkable for earth? You know, we each, each one of us, we owe earth for the space that we occupy. So I hope I'll be back on this show again and discuss some other things, you know. Yeah, But I think for now uh, that's it and we just ought to believe in who we are and not be defined by the circumstances we are raised in or the circumstances that come our way. But we just need to stand and we will surely conquer whatever is thrown at us. In this uh, era of uh, COVID-19, I would say stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, uh, sanitize them ensure you don't spread the virus the virus doesn't move people do so when we stop moving the virus stops moving have a good day
0: I will just limit myself to saying, believe in yourself, because if you are determined enough, no matter the circumstances you find yourself in, you can make your dreams come true. If you like this podcast, remember to share it with your friends and to subscribe to our channel. You can also support these and other projects of the Slow Food Youth Network by donating on our Patreon page. See you in the next episode!